Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, with a special edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back, and it is officially WrestleMania week. WrestleMania 37 is coming up at week's end, and the Silver King is here to bring you a jam-packed week filled with great professional wrestling content in the world of WWE. This is the second of a long list of shows we have for you coming up this week, and I cannot be any more excited to get them to you. If you have not heard it already, on Saturday, it was a weekend, some of you may have missed it, the Silver King dropped our NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview, which also included a very special, insightful interview with the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar. So that show is already in the docket. This is our second show of this elongated week. The Silver King went to WWE. He said, we got a pretty good show here. I would love to have two of your top superstars to talk about the road to WrestleMania and provide some insight on their journey and what we can expect on Saturday and Sunday. You know what WWE did? They came back in a major way. The Silver King... Today is welcoming the two-time WWE Champion and Challenger in the WWE Championship match this coming Saturday on the first night of WrestleMania 37, Drew McIntyre. But that is not all. The Silver King is also welcoming 2021 Royal Rumble winner Bianca Belair to the show for the very first time. I am so excited for you guys to hear these two interviews that I did with Drew McIntyre and Bianca Belair, that I am not going to waste a lot of time before we get into them. But we do always on this show, you guys know the deal, we got to take care of a little bit of business. So let's do it quickly. The first piece of business, as always, a reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Getting Overcast. We have an absolutely loaded week of shows. That is where we release the shows. You will know as soon as they get published to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you listen to this show, You can know first that a new show is live by following us at Getting Overcast. And because this is a multi-event week and we have a ton of stuff going on, the Silver King is going to be using Twitter hot, heavy, and frequently all week long. We will have pre- and post-show polls for NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, as well as WrestleMania 37. You guys are going to want to participate in those. And we may also do some live audio pre-shows which we can now do on Twitter. But the only way you can listen to them is by following us at Getting Overcast. That second piece of business, it's easy, folks. The Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about the five. So make it about the five. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review. Let everyone in the world know how much you love this damn show. Tell them you are psyched for WrestleMania week, all the stuff that we are bringing to you. I'm gonna talk about all of it momentarily. I am so excited to bring it to you, and I hope you can share that excitement with people who may be looking at our podcast profile and, and want to know, hey, should we subscribe? Should we listen to the show? Like, what is getting over? Who is Adam Silverstein? Well, you guys tell him who I am. You guys are the best people to promote this podcast. Tell your friends and family and leave those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So with that said, before we get to the two interviews, they're coming up momentarily, a reminder of how this week is going to play out. As I mentioned, already on Saturday, in the bank right now, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver 
Ultimate Preview, along with a very special, so far widely praised interview with NXT Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar. That is waiting for you to listen to. You can do that right now. Of course, this is our special WrestleMania 37 interview episode, as promised. On Tuesday, you will have our official WWE WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview. We'll be looking at the past SmackDown and Raw and breaking down every single match across the two-night card to get you ready for WrestleMania. We will then be back on Thursday with instant analysis of the two-night NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver show. We will be back once again on Friday with a very special first-time-ever WrestleMania go-home show. We're going to see what happens on that final SmackDown right before WrestleMania, and we're going to give our last thoughts ahead of WWE's biggest show of the year. And then, finally, wrapping up the week, Sunday night, as soon as WrestleMania 37 goes off the air, you will have instant analysis of that massive WWE show, the showcase of the Immortals, right here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. That's just how we do things. We give you those ultimate previews. We give you those instant analysis. We are here for you. And today, we are here to bring you two fantastic interviews. I want to get started with that 2021 Royal Rumble winner, the woman who we hope will main event night one of WrestleMania 37 on Saturday against champion Sasha Banks for that SmackDown women's title. It is none other than Bianca Belair, and I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. Enjoy. Thrilled to welcome the 2021 Royal Rumble winner, Bianca Belair, to our show for the very first time. Bianca will be competing in what we hope is the main event of night one at WrestleMania 37 when she faces Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship. You can catch that live on Saturday, April 10th and Sunday, April 11th on Peacock. And you can see Bianca every Friday night on SmackDown at 8 p.m. on Fox. Bianca, first of all, I'm doing the research about you. Your birthday is the day before WrestleMania. So early, happy birthday to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Are you yes. going to sing me happy birthday? I am not the type of person who should be singing. <laughs> singing. I don't, I don't, that's not in my skill set. There's some things I can do. Singing is not one of them. Right it's now. all good. All right. Well, I mentioned that we hope your match with Sasha winds up as that main event on night one, but it's not just me that's hoping, hoping that fans have been going crazy on social media, trying to make it happen. What does it mean to you that they're not just so excited for this match to happen at all? It is a dream match that many you know, had on their docket there, but they want to see you get that prime placement on the card. That means everything. You know, before Sasha Banks and I even could like ask or request for us to be main event, we have the fans creating hashtags, Banks versus Bel Air to be main event WrestleMania. It's an amazing feeling to know that um that the fans are behind it and they see that the the, the caliber that we are in, in talent and know that we can put out a, a main event type of match. Um it means the world to me and, and, you know, the fans are the reason why we do what we do. So to know that they're, that they're backing us and they see that in us, it's just validation that, you know, we should be the main event because we're going to go out there and show up and show out like we always do. Absolutely. Now, representation is super important. And obviously the last year and really forever, but especially the last year has been challenging, not only due to the pandemic, but with unrest across the country. Do you feel you and Sasha really feel any added pressure for this match, given not only how excited fans are to see you fight on a big stage, but being two strong black women being given 
such a big stage and such a big opportunity? Um, I feel like this is a great opportunity um, for Sasha Banks not to show representation. You know, I always, I always quote uh, a quote that I heard a while ago that representation is not a request, it's a requirement. Mm-hmm. And that's in any given time, um, any any day, no matter what, That that's always, it's always a requirement and it's so important. And so for Sasha Banks and I to go to WrestleMania and be the first African-American women to have a title match at WrestleMania, that's 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 um, representation right there. That's representation for women. That's representation for Black women. Uh, it's two alpha females in there. And I think that that message is just a, a great message to put out there. Um, and I'm just grateful to be on the platform with WWE that providing us that. And especially during these times, it's very important um, for, for to, to put that message out there and put that image out there. Um, but I will say, no, with what's going on in the world right now, it's something that for, for me, especially in my community, and um, it's something that um, that we that that's been happening. It didn't just start happening. So um, I think that to say, you know, that it's added pressure now because this is now like it's not now happening. It's been happening. So right. it's something for me. Um, representation has always been important. It's important every single day. Um, it's something. Um, you know, I've been. But, I, you know, I always say, like, I, I represent for my community and my people. I've been in, doing that since NXT, like ever since I stepped up here and got, and got a platform, I've been trying to do that. So it's just amazing to know that we are going to be on the grandest stage of them all. And we're going to be able to, to, to be a part of representation on the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania on April 10th for us from the first night. So yes. I'm just saying that I'm honored to be in this position. And it's, it's very important, especially during these times. It, it also feels like you're character, you know, for lack of a better term. And, and they always say the best characters in wrestling are the real people dialed up to 12. And it seems like this is you maybe dialed up, you're pointing up maybe 15 or 20 or something <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, when you came up with EST and you came up with uh, the type of gear that you want to wear, and I do have a question later about that gear, but uh, when you came up, how you wanted to present yourself and how you wanted to represent other strong black women. Did you take all of that into consideration or was it really just, I'm going to be me. It's going to work or it's not going to work. And they better like it. Cause I'm not going to be changing much, <laughs> much for anybody. <laughs> well, for me, it was, it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with Mark Henry. He was telling me, you know, who do you want to be? You know, when you walk out, you want people to know exactly who you are and what you're about without having, having to open your mouth. So that was when I understood the importance of my appearance, you know, with, with, with the braid, my hair, my, my makeup, my gear, how it I, all ties in together, but also um, what I wanted to represent. And for me, I think about my childhood and the, the little girl who was like, just not very naturally good at things. But sometimes I would just like dim my light and try to like, I didn't want to send out too much. I didn't want to be called like a show off. And I just want to be a, uh, so I think about that person who I used to be in now, it's just like, no, I know I'm good at this and being talented, but also being a hard worker and, and, and being uh, working hard. It's okay to uh, be proud of your mm-hmm. talents. Everyone has a superpower. Everyone has a talent. And I just want to be representation and encouragement to know. I wish I had, um, you know, my parents always encouraged me to stand out and be uniquely who I was when I was a little girl. And I was fortunate enough to have people in my life who did that for me. So I just want to be that for everyone else to be like, look, you're, you have a superpower, you have a talent, you have an EST, find that and be proud about it. 
you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And if anyone else has a problem with that, that's their insecurities. Don't dim your life for anyone. Mm -hmm. And so when I get in the ring, I want to shine the brightest. And I want to be an example of, look, I am proud of who I am. I am uniquely me. Um, You know, if you watch my chronicle, I've been Mm -hmm. through a a depression and anxiety and I've been through hard times, which which everyone has. And I've had this journey to self-love and now I found myself and I want to, I don't ever want to let that go. So when I'm out there, I am myself and I can amp that up to a thousand. Um, and that's where EST really came from. It's just being proud of who you are. Um, for me, it's, you know, I'm strong, I'm fast, I'm rough, I'm tough. So I'm the est. I'm the roughest and the toughest and the quickest and the greatest. And it all simplifies down to an EST. So it was a little bit of both of just trying to be the EST, but also being an example and representation for everyone out there and to encourage them to shine as bright as they can and never dim their light for anyone. I know you've had a ton of really strong role models within your own family. And I read that Black History Month profile on so many members of your family doing so many incredible historic things, which is fantastic. But I'm also curious, as an athlete uh, and someone who grew up in Tennessee, born in Knoxville, did you have athletic or cultural role models, idols who you looked up to that you even, I don't know if you necessarily take character stuff from them now, but just how you live your life and how you've kind of become the woman that you are today. From, uh, you froze a little bit from role models uh, that I look up to. Like, uh, yeah, athletic or cultural outside of your family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so outside of my family, I would say um, uh, Flo Jo. She was a track, Olympic mm-hmm. track athlete. And I remember being a little girl and watching videos of her. And she was someone who you would think she was like a a fashion model on the track. Mm -hmm. She came and she had these like extravagant and like elaborate flashy outfits. She had the hair, the makeup. Gail Devers was a hurdler. She had the long nails. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, in high school, I had these long nails, these curl. And it was like I had like a nail that was like a long curly nail. (laughs) And I used to run hurdles because of her. Um, I always did my hair and my makeup and I wore like these flashy outfits like Flojo. Um, so she gave me so much inspiration. I even pull from her when I think about wrestling. And that's why I like to like have these flashy outfits because of Flojo. Uh, Dominique Dawes was someone, she was an Olympic gymnast. I looked up to her when I was younger. I became a tumbler and a gymnast because of her. Um, and just knowing that what these women did for me when I was a little girl and I became a tumbler and a, and a gymnast and a track athlete. And granted, I'm not an Olympic track athlete or Olympic gymnast, but because of them and because I did those things, it led me to where I am now. So they had such a huge influence on my life. And to know that I have a platform where I can now give back and do the same thing for other people that they did for me. That's why I take this 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 role, this responsibility so seriously. So um I pull inspiration from them and also Miss Yelly. I think Miss Yelly is so like dope. She's mm-hmm. so fly. Her 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 style. I I pull so much inspiration from her when it comes to like my gear and just my just fashion sense. Ugh. Oh yeah, no. She, I have uh, a light that keeps going out. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Uh, no, I, I grew up. You know, we're similar in age, and I grew up uh, where Missy Elliott was a groundbreaker for women's rappers. I mean, she just did things that no one else had ever done before. So that that makes total sense. Bianca, I already mentioned that there's a lot of people, huge fans of you, but there's also a lot of people, huge fans of your husband, Montez Ford. And 
considering you guys basically are the most athletic male and female, female and male in the entire company, many would say, I've always wondered what you guys do when you get into the gym. Do you try to one-up each other? Is there an <laughs> athletic competition? Is it consistently competitive? And who normally comes out on top when you do that? Yeah, we're we're a super competitive uh, couple. One of our favorite things to do is go to the gym and work out together. But it's like I enjoy it, but I don't because he pushes me so much, and I have I have this thing where like I don't want him to outdo me. So when we're doing circuits, I'm trying to beat him, and he's trying to beat me, and I'm like calling him out. I'm like, no, that that, that rep does not count. You did not stand all the way up. But we we really motivate each other. But um, we definitely have competitions um you know we do crossfit style workouts i'm always like babe you might want to scale that back and he's like i'm not scaling anything back and then he's like hurting in, in the bed later that night um but there's just certain things that we know that each other are, are better at like i'm better at power cleaning and snatching and the power lifting he's better at the box jump i just can't jump as high as him um so it's just like certain things that we know that we're we're better than each other. And the things that I'm better at, like I always tease him like on his snatches and power cleans. He teases me on my box jumps. But um, yeah, we just, we enjoy working out together and we're like super athletic, but we always joke and say that when we finally have a baby, uh, <laughs> WWE is going to be right there trying to sign it for a contract as soon as it's born because it's going to be like super athletic. So we always joke and say, no, our baby's going to like, play the flute and be in the, in the chest club. And I'm going to be like the proudest mom, like, yeah, that's my baby right there. Like, I'm going to be super proud of my child no matter what. But we always say like, um, you know, whatever they do, they're going to be the absolute best at because they just, they're going to get like these, these EST genes from me. If you, guys, if you guys were on a track, I know you don't really race, but if you were on a track doing a 50 or a hundred, are you kicking his ass? I would have to say I would definitely beat him. I'm the yeah. track star of the family. That's what I'm saying. Even, even if I could throw some hurdles hurdles in there and I'll still beat him. Right. And just don't tell him I said that. Yeah, because he has the athleticism. <laughs> I don't know if he has the same speed as you. That's That might be the difference, I think. Yeah, he's pretty fast, though. He's he's really, really fast. Oh, yeah. Actually. All right. Well, hey, look. But just not faster than me. Maybe, maybe there's a – I know they used to have that NXT combine. Maybe there's a WWE <laughs> Network special – down the line, Sasha, I mean, sorry, yeah. Bianca Belair uh, versus Montez Ford. That'd be fantastic. But yes, I think when you guys uh, have kids, you will be like getting home from the hospital and you'll have a contract waiting from WWE. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about it. And fans, fans are going to want to know, hey, how soon are they going to start training? It's like, oh, they're yeah. three years old now? Let's get them going. Yeah, for sure. Um, exactly. So obviously, uh, you know, I said you have a lot of fans and you've wrestled big matches in front of large crowds before. But this last year for you has been unique. You debuted really as part of the Raw brand at WrestleMania and then the night after as well. And you've been isolated from fans this entire time. You've been on Raw and SmackDown now. Now, obviously, you're on SmackDown. You're about to get the WrestleMania special entrance, the dream match in front of a big crowd. I'm wondering, are you nervous at all about getting out in front of fans after doing so much time in the PC and the Thunderdome? I would say I'm not nervous. I'm just excited. I'm so excited to get our fans back. We haven't had them in over a year. Um, and I say, you know, we always say that the, we, we, our job is to put smiles on fans' faces, but it's not said enough that the fans put a smile on our faces. Um, it's going to be amazing to come out and see their faces physically 
and hear the crowd noise. And for me, also my parents, they, they come to every single big moment, but they have them on the grandest stage from all WrestleMania. So I'm not nervous. I'm more so just excited. And like, I feel like the, the match even more better than it ever could be. because we're just going to be feeding off of that energy from the fans. For sure. Now I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. It's well known that you make your own ring gear. And I believe at least a couple of times you've helped the street profits with some gear as well. <laughs> First of all, it seems like it takes a ton of time to do that. And I know right now, like during the pandemic, we're all home. You maybe have a little bit more time on your hands, but how long does it take you to do a full set of gear for yourself? And then secondly, I'm assuming your gear is all set for WrestleMania. Do you want to give us any hints about what we're going to say? <laughs> well, uh, the make of a gear for me, um, I used to just do the, the top and the bottom. And that would take me like sewing it. It take me, if I'm sitting there doing nothing else, it'll take me like two to three hours to actually sew it. But to add the kiss print mm-hmm. and the rhinestones, um, it takes me, that takes, that could take me like a full day to do that. Wow. So um, I can, I can make a gear in a day, but that's me sitting down and doing absolutely nothing else. Uh, and that's just like a normal, like a, the basic gear when it comes to like uh, my takeover matches that I've had or the pay-per-views. Um, it takes a little bit longer because the gear is more elaborate for WrestleMania. I have this ideal in my head of what I want to do, and it's going to take me a, a while. I'm going to have to sit down and just do that, but nothing but that for a full 24 hours for a couple of days. Um, but I'm trying to give a lot of spoilers out. All I can say is I'll give you a little spoiler. Okay. Are you ready? Are I'm you ready. ready? I'm ready. Okay. My gear, it might be the color black, white, red, yellow, orange, purple, green, maroon, burgundy, baby blue, dark blue, <laughs> royal blue, a light orange, a neon yellow, a highlighter yellow, um, a lime green. Did I miss a color? It might and, be and, one and of may, those. And there may be like lips lips on it or EST on it, <laughs> right? Something like that? Yeah, so that's, it might be one of those colors so i haven't told anybody that so you got the the thanks no that's a a big scoop i'm gonna i'm gonna spread that everywhere people are gonna find out yeah for sure (laughs) you can see uh bianca belair fight for that smackdown women's championship against sasha banks coming up april 10th that's night one of wrestlemania 37 airing live in the united states on peacock bianca thank you so much for taking the time with me today i really appreciate it and it was great to meet you and talk to you for the first time thanks for having me Thanks once again to Bianca Belair for joining us. I had an absolute blast interviewing her. We did it over video, over Zoom. There were some technical difficulties at times. You guys may have heard that at certain points during the interview, but for her to take the time that she did so we could really sit down and have a comprehensive talk about representation, what it means for her to be in this match with Sasha Banks, hopefully that at main events. The only disappointment, look, I tried to pull out of her what she was going to do for her, you know, gimmick, for her gear, for WrestleMania. And she gave us the runaround. I mean, she's naming every damn color in the Crayola box. I can't get an answer out of her, but I will be tougher on her next time and make sure we find out what she is going to be wearing before a major event. But I do greatly appreciate Bianca Belair for joining us for the very first time. I I certainly hope to have her on this show 
more often down the line. That second interview, though, it's coming up in a moment because you guys know the deal on this show. It's not just that we take care of business early. We take care of business right damn smack in the middle of things. And I need to remind you that promotional consideration for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for you, our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. Manscaped is all about protecting men's meat. This show is all about big meaty men slapping meat. So they decided to hook us up with their perfect package 3.0. That included the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. It uses cutting edge ceramic blade technology to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe. From a lifetime of trimming down low, I can tell you I have never used something this perfectly designed. Also in that package are some products that will keep your balls dry and smelling fresh, along with a couple gifts. Some precision engineered, just damn comfortable high-performance Manscaped boxers, as well as a travel bag. Look, it is time for you to trim your junk. Ask your girlfriend. She probably wants you to. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. Each purchase directly supports the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. That is why it is so important that you support us at manscaped.com. Use code GOMAN for 20% off and free shipping. It is time for you to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. With that, we move to our second and final interview of the show. It is the second time that the former WWE champion, Drew McIntyre, has sat down with the Silver King, and I had just as much fun talking to Drew this time as I did last time. We got into it. We talked about his basically endless amount of media appearances that he's doing, some great feuds, why Sheamus maybe doesn't get enough respect and is so special as a sports entertainer. Talk about the match with Bobby Lashley. And I also asked him some inside baseball questions. I, I was talking to him about why Raw seems so chaotic recently and how everyone adjusted. And then, of course, what he thinks when someone goes ahead and puts things from backstage on the internet and how he and the locker room react to them. Drew breaks it all down with us. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. I will be back on the other side, so stay tuned. But first, my sit down with Drew McIntyre. Excited to welcome the two-time WWE champion, Drew McIntyre, back to the show. Drew will be competing once again for the WWE title, this time against Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania 37, airing Saturday, April 10th, and Sunday, April 11th on Peacock. Still getting used to saying that. You can also catch him on Raw every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on the USA Network. Drew, last time I spoke to you was in May. You had just won the title, and we were talking about the craziness of suddenly being in the empty arena, doing all those shows, winning the title at WrestleMania. But honestly, I don't think I have ever seen someone do more media in a one-year span than you have done. You're everywhere. You're all on every venue all the time. I know that when we talked in May, it was fresh and it was exciting and you were still on the high of being the WWE champion for the first time. And I'm sure WWE loves it, but you have to tell me it's getting tiring at this point. Absolutely not. I love it. <laughs> um, I don't know if I mentioned it when we spoke back in May, but like I've 
I remember the day I got fired, I was looking for, you know, inspiration of like, who am I going to pattern myself over uh, after? Like, who's the person I was around that had an insane work ethic? Because I'm going to take things to 100 right now. I'm going to give it my absolute all. And I thought, it's easy. John Cena. That man worked every single day, all day, 24-7 WWE. And the success who came from that hard work and that work ethic. And I've still to this day have that Cena mentality. And I wanted to turn from the Cena mentality to the McIntyre mentality. So if we were comparing notes, I do get on the media people to try and get me actual Cena numbers of interviews because mm-hmm. I'd love to compare them side by side. But in the end, I'm sitting talking about WWE. I'm talking about Drew McIntyre. And I'm living my dream right now that this is not work for me. This is just fun. And I try to instill it in some of the other superstars. If they get a little bit, we've got some media this week. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, no. You're going to talk about yourself in the WWE. That's terrible. I'll take it. <laughs> that's my genuine mentality. As you might have got from my promo on Raw this week to the locker room, there's a little bit of truth in the things Drew says on TV. Because that's how I feel in real life. No, I mean, it makes sense. I just figure at some point talking about yourself may get a little... Tiring, but maybe not. I mean, you are in a position that you've wanted to be in throughout your entire career. And you finally reached that mountaintop, which is great. And obviously, you're going after your third WWE championship. You mentioned John Cena. I'm wondering, I know he hasn't been around recently. No one really has because it's been kind of close sets, you know, with uh, the pandemic and everything going on. But have you been able to talk his ear off at all about what it takes to actually be in the position he was in and do the things that he did? I, whenever I get the chance, um, I'll definitely bend in his ear. Um, I train at his gym as often as I can. Our trainer um, is Rob McIntyre, and uh, he's just a fountain of knowledge. Um, every time I speak to him, I learn something new. And, you know, he has mostly been saying positive things my direction. You know, he just knows all it takes is all you got, and I'm literally giving it all I got, and he sees that. And I try to pick his brain regarding what to do in this current climate, but the truth is, <laughs> I've even asked Stone Cold, nobody knows. Like for the past year, um, like we're doing things I've never been done before. It's uncharted water completely. And I had the responsibility of being champion right at the start. And I loved it. And I'm very grateful for my journey and all the ups and downs and all the lessons that I learned that I didn't see it as, oh, no, what am I going to do? Everything's going to go to hell. I saw it as this is a challenge. Let's try new things. Let's throw things against the wall. And let's see what works, see what sticks. So the other thing we discussed at the time uh, was – you were kind of towing the line from a character standpoint of maintaining an edge, yet still taking on a lot of the characteristics of being not just a face, but the top level face, right? On Raw. And you've been pushed, I guess, over the last year, even further in that direction. I'm wondering how you go about balancing that without sliding too far into some of those tropes where it becomes stale. And we've seen fans revolt against guys that are almost pushed too hard as a face. I'm wondering how you kind of make that all work together. I mean, I'm always just trying to be like myself and find truth in every situation. Um, you know, whenever I'm out there and like sometimes, you know, I'm given like the like rah-rah speeches talking about WWE and like maybe compare it to like a scene or something in the past. And like they tried with Roman in the past and it didn't feel quite right when he did it. And what he's doing right now is so unbelievable because right. it's closer to the real life person. But that kind of rah-rah stuff is closer to the real Drew. Like, I love doing the media. I love talking about WWE. I love singing the praises of our superstars, especially our superstars that are absolutely killing it. You know, I love doing that, but you can't just do that all week, every week. It gets boring. And so I love to try and think, okay, what can we do different in this situation? What's going to catch people's attention? And what I literally do every single week is whatever's presented to me is I look at it 
I think, what in my real life can I relate this to? What truth can I find in it? And what can I get people's attention saying, okay, I'm not just saying the same thing week after week, my 19-year journey and all that stuff. We got to reinforce that for the new fans. So I apologize for the current fans who hear it all the time. But I'm always looking for something new to add in there, some kind of truth and something a little bit different. And I mentioned again, like the backstage this week on Raw, like I was kind of pushing like for that. And I really wanted to grab people's attention and remind them like, oh, well, like, you know, when time push comes to shove, Drew isn't just happy-go-lucky, man. You back him in a corner, you screw him out the title, you push the character in that direction, but that's how he'd react. He's going to go off on one and start shouting some truths from his perspective. No, that's a great example of what I'm talking about. And it kind of lends into my next question, which is, you've had a number of great feuds over the last year, both as champion, not as champion. But the matches recently over the last month with Sheamus were what we on this show like to call bangers. Uh, it feels like <laughs> it feels Straight. like Sheamus and, and you were certainly great throughout all of them, and it showed that edge that we've been talking about with you. But it also feels like Sheamus maybe hasn't gotten enough credit for how great his stuff has been since he returned over a year ago. At this point, I think it was from injury. And me personally, I personally believe it's the best work of his career. I'm wondering what is it about him that is so special and brings out maybe the best in you as well. Uh, realism um, you know he's again feels like myself like finding truth in the situation and bring a sense of reality to every situation namely the matches mm-hmm. that you're talking about like it's not just a recent thing that people seem to think or since we started doing the friendship thing because you know when you're suddenly in a story people pay more attention and then they realize oh wait a minute I'm kind of digging what he's doing right now but also he's been having these great matches here no he's been doing it since yeah. he returned with uh jeff hardy then with Big E did great stuff then coming to raw every can week out having these phenomenal matches the thing with sheamus is like he's not going to hold back when he's in there he doesn't care if you like getting hit or not getting hit hard like that first punch of the match he's going to let you know you're in for a fight and generally the guys will fight back and they might not like it prior the idea of oh my goodness sheamus is going to beat the crap out of me today but once you get in there you start getting physical your adrenaline gets going it's fun. And then afterwards, you realize we just did something really cool. And it felt like a real physical contest. And you see the feedback. It felt like a real physical contest. And that's what it's all about today. The fans are so educated. Um, they watch UFC. They watch boxing. They know what's going on behind the scenes. So don't insult their intelligence and put on intelligence and do Cirque du Soleil out there. Make them go, wow. Okay. Especially the non-fans, like or the new fans, let's say. The dads that are watching with their family, like, oh, my goodness, the wrestling's on. Wait a minute. These two guys are beating the crap out of each other. Sheamus and Drew McIntyre are punching each other. And there's marks all over them. And I can hear the sounds. I want to see more of these guys. And that's what Sheamus certainly brings is that realism from every aspect. Yeah, it certainly seems like when there's a match with him, you know you're leaving bruised one way or the other. Him and I, like, yeah, we take it. And Lashley's the same as well. But like Sheamus and I in particular, we've waited. The last significant singles was FCW about 11, 12 years ago. We've waited a long time to get a significant singles match. We know what we're both capable of and what we do to other people. But with each other, like all bets are off. It's, all right, buddy, we're going to say sorry later on. We're going to lay into each other like nothing else. We're going to make people question how much do we, these guys really hate each other? Did they, I thought they were actually supposed to be friends right. in real life. And we brought it to each other. We've never brought it before. And it was so cool that we got the three matches and we did the build-up video for the pay-per-view match. And they used the old pictures. They mm-hmm. told the 20-year story. I wish they never played it right before I walked to the ring. I had face paint on and I had a little teary eyes. <laughs> I was like, man, I could literally just break down right now watching this video. But it was so cool that they took it that far and really showed our history and how much it meant. It wasn't just a three-month storyline on TV. It was a really a 20-year journey. And yeah. it's something we can come back to for sure, be on the same team 
or as opponents. Who whose idea was the face paint? It was mine about four PM or something, five PM, and I didn't oh. get it appro- approved until seven once we were on the air. Um, so I was <laughs> who's it talking to? I think Graves and Seth was it Graves? Yeah, Graves and Seth Rollins were talking. And I had made a comment to Seth about his drip because that was a thing online. <laughs> right. And I thought to myself, eh, no, like, I'm not the best dressed guy in the world. I'm like British, I'm Scottish. We wear shorts and t-shirt 90% of the time or a kilt the rest of the time. <laughs> Go find something cool. And I was like, hmm, I can wear face paint. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. This is the third match. This was Seamus. It's the, the war paint. Why wouldn't I wear face paint? If I was ever going to do like the Braveheart style face paint, this is the time to do it. This is the match that is literally going to be a war. We've got the three match series. I knew the build up video was coming. This is the perfect place to break out the face paint. Tried to get it approved. Could, didn't get word back from anybody. Went straight to Vince himself around 7 p.m. Explained to him what I was thinking. He approved it. Ran to makeup. Was trying to get myself together and tie my boots as my face is getting painted. And then, <laughs> Put on the last few strokes myself and then headed straight to the ring. So it was very last minute. And lucky it's WWE where like that stuff sitting around. Like you don't have to send someone out to go get blue face paint. It's somewhere. No, uh, I was trying to hunt down Jeff Hardy and I realized he wasn't there. But thankfully right. they had, had face paint there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of the chaotic nature sometimes right before shows and watching from afar. And I could be wrong here, but it seems like Raw over the last month or so in particular has been a bit chaotic maybe even from a planning standpoint, due to some extenuating circumstances, right? How would you say, first of all, if that's accurate, but how would you say the locker room has dealt with that given it's WrestleMania season and the pressure is really on this time of year? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's at the level or should be at the level where you're comfortable in your ability, you know who you are and you know where you're going. I don't think it's quite as chaotic as, you know, people are led to believe online. If it was that chaotic, we'd never get the show done. <laughs> um, but like for me personally, like I just don't like to sit and if I, if I got things a week in advance and stood on it, like that's not how I like to do things. I like to feel things as I go. I'd, I'd rather, and I try to just wait till the day of till I get told that this is a thought today and then I can take it. I can think about it. I make it my own and figure out how I would deal with it because in the end, I'm Drew. And I appreciate the collaboration you know, with the writers and our um, amazing minds at WWE. But I prefer just to kind of get things that day, think where my Matt character-wise and the story, where we're going. Like, you know the finishing point, of course, and mm-hmm. kind of go into it that day. And that's how I feel like I do my best work is just getting it on the day and just going with what my gut tells me to do. So this is a little bit of what we call, at least in America, an inside baseball question. But you mentioned like online fan responses and you know, thinking they know things, right? And it's something I've always wanted to ask a wrestler. You're a pretty candid guy, so I think you'll give me an answer. Um, as a wrestler, do you find it entertaining or annoying when something happens backstage? Let's say like this leg slapping thing that I know you've already talked about, for example, and then right. it becomes public and fans freak all freak out on social media about it. Do you find that entertaining or annoying that something from backstage has kind of come out and it's not being taken maybe at the exact value that it actually exists at backstage. I mean, I don't like the leg slapping thing, whatever. I don't care about that necessarily coming out. The fans that are watching the show that are kind of educated enough or can see the leg slapping, they're aware of it. Just right. supposed to be good, good enough to hide it. <laughs> but like, um, it's more like the storyline based stuff. Like if some, if that leaks out or whatever, and it kind of spoils an ending or like a surprise return or something. I never understand that. 
and don't like when that leaks out. Because I remember being a kid and being genuinely surprised and loving all those surprise moments and not knowing the specific. And I was a hugest fan. I ever tried to find out everything I could. And I like knowing like things to a certain extent, but I love being surprised. And you take away that surprise element, like that's not so cool anymore. But I will quickly state for the record, once again, when it comes to leg slapping, you see McIntyre's, <laughs> you see McIntyre's claymore, watch how I hit my leg. I'm not <laughs> slapping it, damn it. I'm jumping up with my mighty leg and taking my mighty arm with my mighty shoulder and using all that shoulder strength combined with my leg strength and knocking mothers out. <laughs> I, was tr- I was trying not to, purposely not to specifically ask you about it. Because it's something that, like, there was a sign, a picture of a sign or something that got blown up online. People start freaking out, oh, why do they change things that are, you know, so simple and such a major part uh, of wrestling? And it's like, you're you're going to get fined for that. So I've explained yeah, right. my logic. It makes it right. more powerful. Exactly. And, fi- and, like, please, yeah, I dare you, find me. Please. Um, but anyway, so I mentioned Sheamus. You mentioned Bobby Lashley. Obviously, that is who you are facing for the WWE title at WrestleMania. You guys fought at Backlash. Uh, basically almost a year ago at this point, in a match that I thought was criminally underrated because it was still in the Performance Center. You didn't have the same atmosphere that you do now with the Thunderdome. There's not a lot of guys in WWE who can match up with you. Sheamus is one, obviously, from a size and strength standpoint physically. How much does that change the way you may lay out of a match or the mentality that you have going into it? That's great. I love when guys are... Uh, as big if not bigger than me um because logically i can sell a little easier you know it's not easy being i mean it's not easy being a face um <laughs> in 2020 2021 in general you know people have short attention spans but it's like difficult being a large you know face especially to get sympathy and heat on me is not very easy you have to get creative you have to think outside the box but when you have like a such a large dominant superstar like a Seamus or a Lashley, it is a lot easier to tell that story, to get that sympathy, to get fans to rally behind you. So that's certainly the difference right there. And I love that match we had last year. Um, you know, a couple of matches during that time that people don't talk enough about, I feel that I'm very proud of, is the match with Seth at Backlash and the match, you know, with Lashley also. And also the one with Dolph during that time. I love that period, you know, from a match quality perspective, because I really, yeah. and I still, I mean, I do every match. I want it to be as good as possible, but especially in that environment when everybody was on lockdown. Um, but the Andrade, so, so the Andrade matches also were really Andrade, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one of my favorite opponents of all time. Uh, what a great, great athlete he is. But yeah, I'm so excited with this match with, with Lashley. It's just, I've talked about it you know, briefly on TV, and um, I'll continue to talk about it. Just the journeys we've both taken are just so interesting, the story behind it. And hopefully, we get a chance to, to tell that, or maybe they build a video, tell it or something. But like the fact that we're both expected so much of us when we we're younger and like pretty much here is the keys to the kingdom guys we want you to get to the top be it lashley and huge wrestlemania match and you know with the maga and vincent man and donald trump there shaving vince's head or the chosen one for myself and both of us you know it didn't quite work out we left the company we had to find ourselves and we fought each other a couple of times outside the company and had great matches but we're still trying to you know find what exactly we were who we were going to be and then to come back to wwe and to start rising up the ranks of wwe inevitably i get to the championship first but at the same time this whole year i've been keeping my eye on lashley over here rising up in the hurt business you know how cool things uh, were going with them but especially the partnership of mvp and lashley what a great partnership yep. like uh, badass don king and mike tyson or something <laughs> just a great great partnership those two rising up and finally seeing lashley reach that potential of course it screwed me out the title right when beat mcintyre one-on-one but to you know see him with the title have that moment have the story we've got going right now 
Um, and the match itself is going to be so much fun because how often do you have a heavyweight clash for the title these days? It's kind of like a throwback to the back in the day when it was always heavyweight clashes, but now it's not just two guys that are going to be plodding around, hugging each other. Like we're two elite athletes, we're going to beat the crap out of each other. It's going to be highly athletic, and we're going to make sure everyone's going to be talking about this match for years. Well, talk about building a match. You can see Drew McIntyre beat the hell out of Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 37 coming up Saturday, April 10th, and Sunday, April 11th on Peacock in the United States, WWE Network internationally. Drew, as always, I always appreciate the time. And look, I would say I hope you don't have that much media to do coming up, but I hope you do media from here all the way until WrestleMania, since you like it so much. Yeah, I bother them. If they don't give me enough media, I start sending texts <laughs> going, yo, why have I got this entire day free? What do you think I'm doing right now? As I'm sitting, twiddling my thumbs. I want to be talking about WWE. I want to be talking about WrestleMania. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, buddy. Thanks again to Drew for joining us, man. I have such a great time talking to him. He is truly a good dude. Um, before the interview started, so you guys have not seen my office set up here that I have in my house, but it's very Gator-oriented, Florida Gator. I went to the University of Florida. I have a lot of orange and blue, and directly behind me, I have a Gator helmet and some pictures and things like that. Drew saw it before I could even record the Zoom call. The guy starts doing a gator chomp, which I thought was hysterical. And then he goes ahead and tells me, and again, I wish I recorded it because you could have heard him tell the story. Uh, He told me that his first football game ever was Florida versus Troy in the swamp. And the reason he went to that game is Bray Wyatt played football for Troy, convinced him to go to the game with him. So you have Bray there cheering on Troy. Drew, I don't know exactly who he cheered on, but I assume you're at a Florida-Troy game, you're probably going to cheer for Florida. Uh, But he, it was just great for him to kind of tell that story. He also talked to me a little bit, again, off the air, about uh, NFL football, how he's just kind of starting to understand the NFL and college rules in America. And he just assumes that he's adopted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, considering he plans to win the WWE Championship in Raymond James Stadium this coming Saturday. But it's always great to talk to him. We did also have a little bit of banter, I will tell you, about him being a regular guest on the show. He said he can't get enough media. I almost kind of dared him to be on here consistently. So we'll see if that happens. Maybe we will get Drew McIntyre on this show semi-regularly. That would be pretty damn cool. But look, Bianca Belair, it was an honor to talk to her. Great stuff that she was telling us about Montez Ford and their athletic competitions. Drew McIntyre, always a pleasure to speak with him. I know not all of you uh, have heard the interview with Santos Escobar that I've already promoted a couple times on the show. But man, the insightfulness and selflessness of that guy, it's really, really unique. I happen to feel like Santos Escobar is basically a Latin version of Drew McIntyre for WWE. And it came across so extraordinarily well in that interview that by the time you finish listening to it, you say to yourself, A, why is he not already on the main roster? And B, this needs to be a guy that Vince McMahon builds behind going forward. He is that passionate about not just NXT, but working in WWE and doing his job as, despite being from this luchador family, legendary family in Mexico, he has always wanted to do his job in the United States of America for WWE. It was a great interview. I'll promote it one more time. If you have not heard it, now that this show is almost over, go back. Just one show into our archives from Saturday, NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, Ultimate Preview. I want you to listen to the whole show, but if you want to skip to the Santos Escobar interview, just like every episode of this podcast, 
There are timestamps in the description so you can jump around. So look, three interviews already. Those have been knocked out of the park if I do say so myself. I'll do a little Barry Horowitz on the Silver King's back. That only leaves the WrestleMania Ultimate Preview coming on Tuesday. The NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Instant Analysis Thursday night as soon as that two-night show goes off the air. Our WrestleMania 37 special go-home show on Friday night after SmackDown. And then our WrestleMania 37 Instant Analysis Sunday night as soon as the showcase of the Immortals goes off the air. It's a loaded week of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. It's a loaded week of professional wrestling from WWE. And you know the Silver King and Vintage Chris Vanini will be here to bring all of it to you. I appreciate all of you listening to this episode. I hope it hits you right in the feel spot. So with that, the Silver King is going to remind you three things. Number one, follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Number two, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Drop a five-star rating and review. And number three, this isn't even a reminder. It's just something I do at the end of the show. I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now. Thank you.